the bad news is a lot of businesses have closed. The good news is when they reopen, do they want to reopen in Palo Alto or do they want to reopen in Folsom? Do they want to reopen in San Jose or do they want to reopen in Roseville? You might want to consider reopening in a place that is going to save you an operating budget of over 50% and be part of the resurgence of the state capital. You know, this is the time for everybody to come together. And I think you're going to see, as soon as the lights go back on, you're going to see a go-forward strategy from this region. We're antsy. We're anxious. We want to get back to what we do best, and that's helping people. And I think that from the business people that I've spoken with in, uh, in the capital region, that's their mindset. It's Friday, March 27th, 73 days after the first coronavirus case was documented in the U.S. There are now 86,000 cases around the country, 4,000 of them now in California. We are one week into a shelter-in-place order that's aimed at stopping the spread of this virus. Many people working from home, many unfortunately have already lost their jobs. We know stimulus money is on the way, but then what? What will be the economic impact for the U.S. and the six-county Sacramento region? Folks are worried about the threat to their health and to their financial health. For some context and perspective, let's welcome Barry Broom, President and CEO of the Greater Sacramento Economic Council, and James Beckwith, President and CEO of Five Star Bank, and also a Sacramento Economic Council board member. Gentlemen, welcome. There is no playbook for this, is there? No, there's not, but there is a little bit of a playbook, and I don't think the playbook includes predictive behavior or predictive outcomes. But there is a playbook on what to do when things are at their most dire point. And, you know, this is a dire point. And what you do is you lead and you come together and you believe and you have a move forward strategy. So where's the bottom? I'm hoping the bottom's already been hit on the market around 19,000. You know, it's going to flutter around a little bit, but economists are telling us our market's hit bottom. I don't think we've had a bottom hit on the challenge of uh, jobs. Obviously, losing a million jobs in California is significant. But, you know, the resiliency of our financial institutions and the resiliency of our economic situation, I mean, we were very strong going into this. And if we believe in ourselves, we'll be very strong coming out. Barry, how big of a hit do you think the region is going to take? I mean, like you said, you you don't know when it's going to end, so it's kind of hard to, to calculate. But what's your best guess? Well, if there's a million jobs in California already, that means we're in the range of twenty five to thirty five thousand jobs, and those jobs are probably more on the consumption based side, meaning it's the people that work at the Hyatt, it's the people that work at the Marriott. It's the people that work for Pat Mulvaney. It's the people on the edges of a growth economy that are driven by consumer behaviors that are really losing their job now. And of course, that's why you're seeing, I want to give a hats off to uh, Nancy Pelosi and President Trump and Mitch McConnell for building and coming out with a terrific economic stimulus package. And that stimulus package is designed to provide relief to those people that have lost their job immediately, hopefully by April 6th. And that stimulus package is designed to bring the kind of SBA financing in that's going to help James Beckwith and going to help Eric Langland and going to help David Galasso and the other bank leaders in our region 
to bring these small businesses back to stabilization. And so most of the economists are saying this is going to be a V recovery, meaning we're going to hit down hard. But if we maintain our confidence and execute, we will recover quickly. And we don't have any reason to believe that's not what's going to happen in the greater Sacramento area. James, can you speak in uh, some detail about the local banking system? Where do we stand now? Are you getting calls from your customers that maybe I need a little bit more time to pay whatever payments I have? Or I know you don't do a lot of retail mortgage business, but you, you certainly have some, some customers with some big loans. Uh, absolutely. First of all, I, I want to kind of contrast the state of banking within, within the United States and specifically in our region just prior to the COVID-19 outbreak versus what it was in 2007. A lot more capital in the system, almost two times the amount of capital in the, in the banking system now versus then. So we were much better prepared from a capital perspective. And capital isn't per se the issue in banking right now. So we're in good shape. Our balance sheets are strong, fortress balance sheets, and we're able to withstand a lot of this downturn. So we're we're in good shape about that. The banking system and the banks within our local area are replete with survivors. They're the ones that got through the last downturn. They're the ones that are that their ranks are filled with very expert bankers. They know how to deal in it, uh, with adverse conditions and are well prepared to do that. What about venture capital in the community? Do you think that there might be some some bargains for investors? Well, our venture capital environment in the community has been really growing. It's led with a couple larger funds that have come out of the ground in the last five years. You know, I think it's a little bit too early to tell about what this these conditions are, how they're going to affect our local venture capital firms. I think for the most part, their portfolio companies are very early stage in, and as such, they're developing their products and developing their markets. So they're not, per se, anywhere being mature companies. So I'm not sure how much of a negative impact this is going to have on them because they're still, in a lot of instances, in product development. So uh, that's something that remains to be seen. One of the things, well, just to, just to add on James, the good news about the venture capital world is we own all of it 75 miles away from here. So when you're looking at 50, 60, 70% of venture capital in America, you can get there in an hour and 45 minute drive from downtown Sacramento. And that's an advantage we've been developing for five years that I think is going to pay off. Two, the venture capitalists typically, I don't know what they're doing with their money, but their money is usually parked in a 100% secured situation. So their dry powder, the capital that they have from their limited partners are already sitting in a very safe fund. Now the valuations of companies that are being invested are going to drop, but you're going to see them take a little bit less risk, and you're going to see them follow their more pro-revenue models going forward. So we're mining every single venture capitalist in the Bay Area and Silicon Valley, and we have mined and documented every single fund that has put money into an A or B round. We already have that financially modeled. So in the next four to six weeks, when they turn the lights on, we're going to be hitting those markets hard, telling our story in Sacramento, because the bad news is a lot of businesses have closed. The good news is when they reopen, do they want to reopen in Palo Alto or do they want to reopen in Folsom? Do they want to reopen in San Jose or do they want to reopen in Roseville? 
you know, so we're going to give them an option of if you're reopening because your market matters to you and it's California, you might want to consider reopening in a place that is going to save you an operating budget of over 50% and be part of the resurgence of the state capital. Barry, until January, I'm sorry, go ahead. Was that I want to, if I could, spend a little time talking about the CARES Act and its impact on local small business and, and our banking segment. It provides for just a tremendous amount of relief for small business customers, not only existing SBA customers in terms of payment help, but also SBA loans that can help small business stand up again. There's approximately more than $300 billion worth of capability in the bill that's going to allow lenders like Five Star Bank and other SBA lenders in our local market to be able to provide these loans to small businesses that have been dramatically impacted by COVID-19. The loans are at a low interest rate. They can be up to 10 years in length. And depending upon the use of proceeds, some of those balances can be forgiven by the SBA if, if they're oriented towards paying salaries. So this stimulus package is going to be a big shot in the arm for local businesses. Now, once the president signs the bill, SBA, and I bet they're already doing this, is going to get to work and write the regulations about this. And so as far as we go at Five Star Bank, we're reaching out to our customers. We're reaching out to small businesses within the community about the availability of these loans. And we think this is going to be a major difference here locally in terms of really helping our small businesses stand up again. Barry, a question for you. Uh, until January, when COVID-19 hit, a lot of your efforts, and as you've been doing for the last several years, were directed at attracting new business to the region, diverse businesses. Does that go on the back burner now with the focus on just keeping our existing economy viable? Actually, it goes on the front burner. And the reason it goes on the front burner is if you look at Seattle, the Bay Area, Silicon Valley. So we're hedgehoggers. So if you've ever read Good to Great, we run very narrow strategies. If you look at Seattle, all the life science companies up there, two of them have committed to come here, and two digital transformation companies have committed to come here, and one affordable housing large-scale manufacturing company actually moved their headquarters here. So if you think about affordable housing, digital transformation, and the sciences, those are the things that are going to accelerate, like the way Zoom stock is. So we had a resiliency strategy built against our dependency on government and the threat of that dependency due to a $1 trillion structural deficit that occurred based upon Stanford's evaluation of our pension situation. So this resiliency strategy was all built around the California Mobility Center, which is continuing to move forward under Robert Nelson and Arlen Orchard. We're breaking ground in November on a $1 billion project with UC Davis. And that's all science, technology, and medicine. So the markets are going to continue to pour money in science, technology, and medicine. The companies are going to continue to move towards digital trans uh, transformation. And that's exactly what we've been working on for two or three years. And our market position's more attractive in California now than it's ever been because you can move into the California market at a mid-tiered price point and participate in the recovery of the largest U.S. economy and the fifth largest economy in the world. So we actually think it's going to accelerate our activity. And then, of course, 
Uh, other things, we will do more on retention expansion. So you'll see us shift a little bit more on the retention expansion. But outside of adding a layer on retention expansion to support local companies, we think what we've been doing the last four years is going to pay off in the next two years. If you're looking for a, a silver lining to this uh, COVID cloud, do you think that the state will roll back some of the, the onerous regulations that California has? Well, that's a good question. And I've been starting that dialogue with my colleagues. Like there's some talk among economic developers that the state's going to put a $100 billion economic recovery plan together. Well, you know, the governor's already announced the rainy day fund's gone. That's almost $20 billion. So one of the things that we're going to be recommending is CEQA, the Environmental Oversight of Construction, adds three to five years to construction. Well, now would be a good time to give a two-year holiday to the CEQA Oversight of Construction. And I think in particular PAGA, which has been this outrageous labor law policy that was passed in 2004 by a governor that was successfully recalled and a legislator who rose the bill was later fired from his job for financial irregularities. I mean, that thing's been a bad bill since 2004. 40,000 businesses have been sued under PAGA since 2004, and there's been a 100% conviction rate. So if you want to see 40, 50, $60,000 job years go back, you've got to start and accelerate construction. And, you, you know, one of the questions I'm getting on these SBA loans is if I conform with the federal government on the rules of the $10 million, am I going to get a different set of rules from California and get caught in a lawsuit in 15 months when I just start to recover? No business should be asking that question in California. And I think the suspension of PAGA for two years and carving construction out of CEQA would be the two quickest ways to give middle-income jobs a chance to recover and a lot of jobs in construction. You know, so the reason I'm paying attention to these construction jobs, these construction workers are the guys that are going to go into our bars and restaurants and our spas and re-kick those up. They're going to be renting houses. They're going to be buying houses. Construction income throws off a lot of cash to cities and counties. So getting that construction market back on its feet by getting out of the way with CEQA and giving people relief from PAGA would be a zero financial burden to California taxpayers and pay big dividends. But I'm not sure they even think that way. But that's something we're going to be talking about in the next three to six months as an organization. You know, just to, to get down, there's a macro and there's a micro here. The micro really is, you mentioned the bars and the restaurants. How long can they hold on? Can they hold on for four months? They're not all no. going to get SBA loans. I think the ones that are gone are gone already. The National Restaurant Association on a Wall Street report said 50% of all restaurants will fail in the United States and 75 will fail permanently. That's why you don't chase the downside. So one of the things we're talking to the communities about, let James Beckwith, let Eric Langland at, at Chase, let David Galasso at Wells, let these guys manage this SBA money, route our businesses to their bankers, communicate to them on how to access this, but don't get caught picking winners and losers because you know if you're going out right now trying to rescue businesses, they haven't found the bottom yet. So if you give them a $50,000 grant, that might mean they survive another five days. That's not enough money to recover. If you look at these SBA grants, they're up to $10 million. So you've got to be in the $2 million, $5 million, $10 million range to save, reposition, and rescale a business. So we want to make sure our local governments aren't getting caught 
writing a bunch of $25,000 checks to people that are going to be out anyway. So I think the damage to small businesses have been done. I think the businesses that can recover will if we get the SBA relief to them. But if we really want to stabilize these small businesses while they're recovering, Kaiser's got to build that $2 billion hospital. Kevin Nagel and, and uh, Ron Burkle got to build that $350 million stadium. Buzz Oats has to break ground on their industrial products. You know, UC Davis has got to keep Aggie Square going. Sac State and SMUD got to keep the mobility center going. These big capital investments for modern industries are going to be the thing that swoops in and turns small businesses back to profitability. Do you guys think so, at all so about the, the, the psyche of people? In other words, they're hunkering down, they're worried about the, do you think almost like a, a 21st century depression mentality, if you will, that they want to save more and not spend more? It's my sense that, uh, that we want to get back to work. We're antsy, we're anxious. We want to get back to what we do best, and that's helping people. And I think that from the business people that I've spoken with in, uh, in the capital region, that's their mindset. I'm not going to say they're going stir crazy, but they're just anxious to get after it again. And they've been sitting on their hands and doing what they can from home, working with their customers the best way they possibly can. But their their work environments have been dramatically impacted, and they're anxious to get out there again. I think there's a lot of momentum for that. Uh, we all want to get through this. We all want to do the right thing in terms of making sure that this virus doesn't spread and helping uh, helping protect our fellow citizens. But I'm, it's my sense is that people want to get back to business. James, it's got to give you pause when you see the Cheesecake Factory with 200 restaurants around the country telling its landlords, we're, we can't make our rent in April. Are you going to see a lot of that type of thing locally where, hey, uh, James, I'm just strapped, we can't do this, and you're going to be able to work with your clients? Oh, absolutely. Anybody who's a commercial real estate lender, those real estate owners and turn lease space to businesses, whether they're retail or just business or professional or medical, whatever the case may be, they're going to be impacted. And what happens if they don't get paid? There's pressure on paying, uh, paying your lender, paying the mortgage, if you will. Uh, our policy is to look at these things on a case-by-case basis to see how we can help. We've been given the ability by our regulators to defer payments, uh, if appropriate, and we're acting a lot of, on a lot of those requests right now to make sure that our real property owners are uh, are going to be in good shape when their tenants come out of this. In the same sense, we're also trying to work with some of their tenants to see how we can help their businesses, specifically through these CARES SBA loans, if appropriate. This is happening everywhere in the United States and certainly happening here locally. The good news is the government is offering a $2 trillion stimulus. The bad news is it's the government. Uh, How long do you think it's going to be before all the red tape and everything shakes out? Well, Barry may have a view on this too, but specifically, we're looking for the rules and regulations for SBA to put forward under the CARES loans program. We're anxiously, uh, we're trying to take statute and come up with some models in terms of that our customers and prospects could look at in terms of what loan size would be and use of proceeds and whatnot, just based upon statute. You know, once the SBA writes the rules, which hopefully will be in a couple of weeks, we'll get through it, we'll be able to be a lot more specific. But our, we're taking the, the stances that this stuff is going to get pushed out quickly. I don't think anybody's going to be sitting on their hands back in D.C. 
you know, on this, on implementing this legislation. So we're hopeful that those dollars get flowing, checks get cut, and loans get made quickly. When you talk to your, your colleagues around the region, you, you talked about the pent-up demand, they want to get out and, and, and help people, etc. But is there, is there a fear factor that you're sensing that we don't saw this coming, I, I can't, I can't afford to take a chance if this ever comes again, or people just like, hey, this is one of these things, we'll roll with it and we just go on. Well, from my perspective, I think it's more the latter. This came out of nowhere. I think people are going to work differently in the future, most certainly. I think we're all finding ways to work differently. But I don't think people are standing down at all. I think there is optimism out there that we're going to get through this collectively and that we'll come out of this thing on the backside, maybe even stronger. I'm a firm believer in investing at the trough. Uh, that's what we did last time in our organization, and that really helped us uh, move forward significantly. And I think for the most part, businesses are going to do that. They're going to see what's working and see how they can invest now. So when this thing turns around, and I happen to agree with Barry, I think this is going to be a V-shaped move. And we're going to come out of this thing, hopefully, Q3 and Q4 are going to come out and be uh, very good quarters, certainly 2021. Stimulus aside, our region has a big advantage, I think, because you've had the cap-to-cap mission for, what, 40 years now. You've got a lot of friends in Washington. Is that a weapon in your arsenal for this particular situation? Well, I think, well, I was just going to say, I think, I think our real weapon is Doris Matsui, the congresswoman's and senior leadership. Ami Barra's in leadership on the health side, and Doris is uh, very close to Speaker Pelosi. So I think one of the things that advantages us is, you know, the Speaker of the House is from the Bay Area, and she's proven to be a pretty tough cookie. So I think that's going to help us a lot. One of the things that we've recommended to Congresswoman Matsui is on this SBA money, some of this stuff might need to be block granted. In other words, if you're going to put $350 $350 billion in loans, if we're, you know, 15% of the U.S. economy, you know, we'll take $50 billion off the top, put that into the state, and let the state distribute it through our banking system. So we are trying to help with how this stuff gets pushed out quickly. But like Jane said, the banking industry is loaded for bear to get these SBA loans out. And I do think having the Speaker of the House and having Doris Matsu is a big advantage. Final question for you, Barry. A lot of good things in the pipeline uh, out my way. Folsom Ranch, lots of homes, redevelopment of the rail yards, development of old sack in the riverfront. Big projects people have already invested in, so they're going to continue to go forward. Yeah, that's that's our sense. You've got uh, Inductive Automation out there, which is a booming company, very smart company, hiring engineers. You have also in Folsom, the largest academic technology in the world, Power School, under Hardeep Galati. Hardeep's been an advisor to Robert Smith from Vista. You've got Intel pumping in Folsom. The Economic Development Group does a nice job. Folsom Ranch has four healthcare projects, probably between the four of them, maybe 200 to $250 million of investment. We've uh, had a company from San Jose just moved to El Dorado Hills. So we got a lot of good things going. And if we stay on the gas, we're gonna be super successful. Uh, are there any things that I didn't touch on that you would like to touch on? Well, I just think like what James is saying, we've got 43 CEOs on our board. Gary May, the chancellor of UC Davis, Robert Nelson, the president of Sac State, Mayor Steinberg's on the board. We built this organization under the leadership of these CEOs. 
because in 2008, 9, and 10, we didn't have a plan as a community. We actually started planning in 2009 for how to recover from 2008. We're already deeply embedded in a recovery strategy as a community because of James's leadership and other CEOs in this region. So, you know, leaders got to stick together. They got to believe in each other and we got to get on each other's side. So you're going to hear me be very thankful to the president and the governor, to the speaker and the president of the Senate, Mitch McConnell. And, you know, this is the time for everybody to come together. And I think we should be really impressed with the divisions in Washington, D.C., how quick they've come together and how nice of a job they've done with these stimulus packages. So shoulder to shoulder, nobody can beat us. All right, gentlemen, thank you for your input. That's Barry Broom, who is the CEO of the Greater Sacramento Economic Council, and James Beckwith, the president and CEO of Five Star Bank. And down the road, gentlemen, perhaps we can check back with you as this uh, COVID-19 hangs around for a while. Absolutely. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Our thanks to the Greater Sacramento Economic Council CEO, Barry Broom, and to board member and Five Star Bank CEO, James Beckwith. I'm Ed Crane. This podcast is a production of Multipoint Content Strategies and was recorded by Hear Me Now Studio.